G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Church. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon is entitled Good God Talk and it focuses on 1 Timothy 4 and it's part of our Good Fight series focusing on the book of 1 Timothy. We hope you enjoy the sermon. first reading is from 1 Timothy chapter 4, found on page 1458 of the Pew Bibles. The Spirit clearly says that in the later times some will abandon the faith and follow the deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it, is, if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is, is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance, and for this we labour and strive, that we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all men, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. Loving Lord God, we thank you so much uh, for your word, and we pray that you would help us to um, set an example for the world in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, has anyone been following the Cricket World Cup? Show of hands. Oh, yeah. Oh, good to see some some people, uh, some cricket watchers. Uh, Well, I'm not a big cricket fan, but I chanced upon this very interesting story that came out of two cricket-loving nations, Pakistan and Zimbabwe. Turns out there's bad blood between these two countries because of this man, Asif Muhammad. Asif Muhammad. In 2016, Asif travelled from Pakistan to Zimbabwe to do some comedy sketches as a Mr Bean impersonator. That's what he does for his job. But wires got crossed and Zimbabweans heard that the real Mr Bean was visiting their country. And it grew and it grew, and there's Asif Muhammad with a police escort and thousands of fans waiting to see Rowan Atkinson, the real Mr. Bean. (laughs) And unfortunately, they quickly realised that he wasn't the real Mr. Bean, that he wasn't the real deal. And it sparked a war of words on the internet between the two nations. Now, fast forward six years, and Zimbabwe last week beat Pakistan in a big upset by one run. 
And so in celebration, the president of Zimbabwe, Edmund Mnangagwa, I had to practice that this morning in front of the mirror, Edmund Mnangagwa, my parents are from Zimbabwe, so I should be able to pronounce this, Edmund Mnangagwa, um, he wrote this, what a win for Zimbabwe, congratulations to the Chevrons, that's the Zimbabwe um, cricket team. But, but then he, he sent a jibe to the president of Pakistan and said, next time, send the real Mr. Bean. <laughs> it's amazing how deception and miscommunication can harm a community. This is a funny example, uh, but I'm sure you can think of other times when deception has done real damage in your life. And so today in 1 Timothy, Paul is coaching his apprentice, Timothy, as he battles false teachings. He says, such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Today we're going to look at why what we say about God matters. We're going to look at bad God talk. We're going to look at good God talk. And then we're going to see how the gospel of Jesus encourages us to back ourselves. And I encourage you to follow along with 1 Timothy 4, which Maddie did such a great job of reading. We might give her a round of applause because that was a huge passage, a lot of reading. But uh, yeah, keep your Bibles open because we're going to go through this text um, almost verse by verse. So as we've seen over the last few weeks, 1 Timothy is a letter from Paul to his apprentice, Timothy, instructing him how to lead the church in Ephesus in his absence. Timothy was a young leader in a young church, and Christianity was attracting both Jews and Greeks, men and women, people from all sorts of backgrounds were coming to be saved in Christ Jesus, and they were putting their faith in him. Sadly, there were imposters who tried to mix Christianity with their own ideas and to make a profit. And so Paul writes in verse 1, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Already there were people walking away from the church to follow the false teachers who wanted to take advantage of them. Paul describes these people as having their consciences seared or cauterized. They were numb to the true needs of the people. So what were these teachers teaching? Well, verse 3 tells us they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For many Greeks, the physical world was seen as impure and bad, while spiritual things were seen as good. For them, truly religious people didn't get married or have kids because this was pursuing lustful physical attachment. You still see it in Eastern religions today where praying and meditating and not having anything to do with the physical world is seen as a good thing. 
Likewise, avoiding certain foods for religious reasons uh, was seen as a really pious thing to do for both Jews and Greeks. Jews loved fasting. They loved a good fast. In Australia, we love a good KFC feed. <laughs> but for the Jews, they, they loved to fast and show how religious they were. Good religious people fasted and didn't indulge themselves. And it seems that this is at the heart of what false teachers were teaching in the church. Now, Paul isn't saying that singleness and celibacy is wrong. He's also not saying that dieting or fasting or avoiding certain foods is wrong either. He's reacting to gospel plus. When anyone puts a plus on the gospel, it ends up making the good news of Jesus into bad news for everyone. If someone says that for you to be a true Christian, you must avoid certain foods, that's gospel plus. If someone says, you, in order to be a true Christian, you need to worship in a certain way, that's gospel plus. If someone says, in order for you to be a true believer, you need to give money to my ministry or a certain organization, that's gospel plus. When anyone puts a plus on the good news of Jesus, it ends up making the good news into bad news. Bad God talk usually revolves around making God into a miserly, unforgiving tyrant who's more concerned with your outward appearance than the state of your heart. Bad God talk makes religion more about what you don't do than who you are before God. Bad God talk focuses not on the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's word, but on godless myths and old wives' tales, as Paul says in verse 7. So in the face of God, bad God talk, what are we meant to do? How are we meant to respond? Should we attack bad God talk by saying bad things about people who believe it? Should we be harsh with the people around us and brand everyone who doesn't agree with us as heretics? No. Paul was a firebrand preacher and a teacher and he could be harsh sometimes. But fighting the good fight is about restraint. It's about self-control. Good God talk focuses on the goodness of God and leads people to the truth rather than beating down the opposition. This is why in verse 4 we read, for, God created, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. You see, he doesn't attack the ideas of the leaders. Instead, he goes back to the goodness of God. Marriage is a good gift from a good God. Food is a good gift from a good God. Marriage isn't for everyone, and neither are some foods, but good God talk focuses on the goodness of God. And so in verse 6, we read, if you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, 
brought up in the truths of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed. Brothers here means brethren, fellow Christian, men and women. Timothy doesn't have to strike back at bad teaching with cutting remarks and criticism. Instead, he's directing the people in his church back to Jesus and all he's done for them. There's a lot of bad God talk in the church right now, in 2022. Lots of leaders are trying to say something new and punchy that will make a name for themselves, will sell their books and give them places in good universities. People say things like the God of the Old Testament is a cruel monster. Or they say things like the Apostle Paul hated women. Sadly, this often makes people walk away from the church and confuses unbelievers who just want to know God. What is encouraging, though, is that when people who practice their faith hear stuff like this, they aren't phased. They know it's fake news and they reject it outright. And this is why Paul tells Timothy in verse 8, Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. In the face of bad teaching, we are to continue to practice being godly. Paul gives us the image of a prize fighter or an athlete in the gym preparing their body day and night. He says this sort of training has some benefit. It'll make you stronger, healthier, and will improve your mental health. But he points out that spiritual training has benefits from now into eternity. I used to be able to swim for eight hours non-stop because of all the training I did. I could, I could swim over a week, a hundred kilometers, and not feel tired. But since retiring from swimming 11 years ago, I've lost this fitness and my body is older. So even with lots of training, I might never be as strong or as fit again. On the other hand, the spiritual training I got from my confirmation classes 15 years ago is still with me. Every moment of prayer, every second of Bible study, every church service, every sermon, every course, every podcast has helped me know Jesus better and made me fit for gospel service in the kingdom. You may not remember this sermon. You may not remember my words today or even coming to church on the 6th of November 2022. But I guarantee you, if you make this a practice, it will grow you and it will nourish you and it will strengthen you. A lifetime of faithful discipleship grows faithful disciples. Friends, I sit with people who have grown up in church and sat under solid teaching for 30, 50, 60, maybe even over 70 years. You are spiritual giants. This morning when I came into church, I saw people getting down on their knees and praying because it was as natural as breathing. 
because they love God and they love people and they want to serve him through the church. Sure, sometimes practicing godliness takes effort and it costs us time and energy. But nothing worth having ever came easy. Keep training your spirit. Keep investing in your soul. Keep coming to church, reading your Bible and spending time with God in prayer and serving others. And you'll reap the benefits both now and into eternity. And this brings us to the last section of the passage where Paul says, back yourself. He says in verse 12, I've lost it. Oh, well, verse 12, check it out in your Bibles. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. By all accounts, Timothy wasn't anything special as a leader. He wasn't strong on charisma, uh, and he was young, either in age or in the faith. And he had lots of insecurities. He was surrounded by division in this church in Ephesus, and there was plenty of bad God talk. And he may have been thinking about quitting the ministry altogether. Yet the Holy Spirit, through Paul, says, back yourself. Leading a church is hard. Being the church, you, is even harder. But Timothy's goals are simple. His mission and his mandate is simple. Look at verse 13. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Exactly what we're doing here this morning. 2,000 years later. Every Sunday, Timothy's job is clear. Read the Bible, explain the Bible, teach the Bible, and live the way the Bible wants you to live. In his daily walk, his task is simple. Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. It's easier to say, and yes, it's hard to do, But Paul says, back yourself. If this is your goal, you can't go wrong. The betting company Ladbrokes, I don't know if you've come across them, um, has this motto, back yourself. The goal is to create a sense of self-belief as people make rash bets and gamble away their life savings. Ladbrokes knows that when people gamble, they lose And the betting companies win. So people lose when they back themselves in gambling. Thankfully, living the Christian life is not a gamble. Not at all. Sure, there are uncertainties and we all fail all the time. But the wonderful thing is that our salvation doesn't depend on us. Jesus overcame Satan's sin and death. And if God is for us, who can be against us? Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young or because you are old or because you are uneducated, disabled, sick, poor or different in any way. Whatever reason people make up to look down on you, 
doesn't matter a fig. Because when God looks at you, he sees someone created in his image. Throughout the Bible, we see God using broken and ordinary people to accomplish his redemptive plans because they have enough faith to trust him and back themselves. Christ is calling you today to back yourself and live for him. In verse 14, Paul writes, Don't neglect your gift, which you were given through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. He's probably talking about Timothy's ordination when the priests laid their hands on him and set him aside for ministry. Paul is telling Timothy, remember that day. And if you commit yourself to doing God's work in God's world, you can never fail. Now, you might think, well, I'm not a minister and I wasn't ordained, so I don't think I can have that sort of confidence. But friend, if you're baptized, you are ordained. In your baptism, a priest or a church leader laid their hands on you and set you aside for ministry, the ministry of all believers. If you're not yet baptized, have a chat with me and I'd love to get you sorted. All Christians are entitled to the same bombastic, no holds barred, peace above all understanding, confidence in Christ that Paul wants Timothy to have when he says, back yourself. And so friends, as we wrap up, I want you to take this to heart. In the face of bad God talk, the imposter Mr. Beans and the fake news, keep the gospel on repeat. There's nothing better than the good news of Jesus' resurrection and his victory is your victory when you receive him as Lord of your life. So back yourself and go out into the week. Go out into the week, Christian. Set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. And you can't go wrong. In the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.